because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. What a what an unusual place for a baby to be born. Laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And of course, we have mistreated, maybe rightfully so, this innkeeper who had no room for Jesus. Of course, I don't know that he knew this was Jesus. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll preach it to you in a minute. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you this morning. For the word of God, would you preach to our hearts, bring a word, or maybe there's someone sitting in here, a young man, a young lady, someone older, younger, a child, man, woman, Lord, surely the description fits someone sitting in here this morning without you. And I pray, God, that today they'd come to know you. Maybe someone sitting in here and they know you, but they're far from you. I pray, God, that today you would... Speak to their hearts in such a way, Lord, change their life. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help me to preach it. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated this morning. We have given this young man or this man, I don't know anything of his age, but we've given him a hard time, this innkeeper. I've heard messages preached on no room in the inn, and I've preached my fair share. I've been here 16 years. I've been preaching since I was 16, and I'm 38 now, you do the math, a long time. Uh, and, and I have preached uh, on uh, a world with no room for Jesus, a church with no room for Jesus, a, a soul with no room for Jesus. And we have uh, talked about this man, but here's all that the Bible says about him is that uh, really, the Bible doesn't even say anything about an individual. The Bible just said that there was no room in the inn, and we have implied that either a man or a woman, and probably the custom of that day, a man owned that inn, and, uh, or at least ran that inn, and Mary and Joseph came to that inn, and he wouldn't let them in. He wouldn't let them in. But the thought that I have been meditating on and thinking on uh, is that number one, this, this, whoever this individual was, and you, you, you hang around church, you've heard, you've heard him, you've heard him, I mean, mistreated in every way possible. Uh, no room for Jesus in the end. But whoever he was, you can say this much about him, he at least gave the best thing that he had left. Yeah. You can say about him that he, uh, that he at least uh, uh, was a man of his word. He had already promised those rooms out and he wasn't going to go back on his word for someone else. And then say about him, he had no idea who it was that was to be born. But, but, but we, have, we have said uh, so much negative about him and it began to cross my mind all the underlying issues that we've missed, all the, and maybe that I've missed, all the, the things behind the scenes working on this day that really looks to be tragic. I mean, the Savior of the world is to be born and there's no place for him other than a manger. What a tragedy 
that we see in our minds that uh, obviously Jesus has come to this world and this world has rejected him. And we know that this world does reject him. But, but what began to stir in my heart and in my mind is that I can see the fingerprints of God. In this whole thing, I can see God working. I, I can see God orchestrating all of this because God likes to do things in ways that we wouldn't do them. God likes to bring things to pass in our life in ways that we would have never done it that way. How many of you on the other side of trouble, on the other side of problems, and you look back and you say, wow, I'm amazed that God used all of that to bring me here. Had I been God, I would have avoided every bit of that, and yet it was all of those things that was what brought you to where you are. This is tragic. Mary and Joseph have, I mean, she's great with child. They've left Nazareth. They've made this journey to Bethlehem, and and what an amazing thing that right in the middle of all of this, uh, uh, she's pregnant, uh, uh, she's great with child, the Bible said, and we've got several ladies around here who's having babies, and they understand what great with child means. That's supposed to be funny. I'm not making fun of you ladies. I'm just, some of you are ready to go any day now. Great with child. Ah. and, 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 and now they've got to travel. They've got to head to Bethlehem. And when they get there, all of the... And I don't know what circumstances it was to make them late getting there. But when they get there, everybody else is there. And all the hotels and the inns are booked up. I don't know what happened along the way. But there ain't a VRBO and there isn't a, 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 a call uh, look them up on Google and see if they have any availabilities before we get there. They got there, traveled all this time and realized I am bringing into this world the Son of God and there is nowhere to have it. Seems like sometimes in the will of God, seems like sometimes in life, God doesn't do things the way. I mean, I can, I can see Mary in her heart, knowing, Lord, I know you've promised me this, but how has this all come about at the same? I mean, leaving home, traveling, all the dangers of traveling through the night, the weather, and then getting here, and we've got to pay our taxes. Lord, we're bringing a son into this world, and we've got to pay our taxes to Rome. And, 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 and obviously it's going to be Christmas time. Everybody knows Christmas time is a hard time to get any bills. She's got to pay, she's got to pay taxes at Christmas. <laughs> and, and on top of that, they get there and the, the inn has no room. Men, you can think about Joseph and, and you know what it is to be a man and to feel obligated by God to to respond, to provide, to take care. And, and he's brought her all this way and he's probably no doubt walked as she's ridden the, the donkey or maybe, I don't know what all they had, but, but, but she's 
come this way and he's taking care of her and all of these events and they get there and there's nowhere. I mean, I'd say they went to inn after inn after inn and there's nowhere and finally they find one fellow who has been mocked throughout the ages and he said, well, I've got a stable in the back and it's the best thing that I've got. I can see as they head back there and, and the thoughts going through their mind, God, this is a tragedy. Lord, this is, I mean, and, and, and the world would say stuff like this. This is a bad streak of luck. Of course, we don't consider it that. We understand the movements of God and the workings of God, but as the world would say, man, it is one thing after another. It is one trouble on top of another trouble on top of another trouble. And don't mistake that they lived in a real world just like you do. Problem after problem, bills now, and nowhere we are far from home. You can't get in a car or a train or an airplane and get back to Nazareth. You can't get back to the midwife. You can't get back to mother. You are in a, in a land where you're not from paying bills you can't afford. And there's nowhere for your wife to have her baby. My goodness. God, where are you? And how we approach this as well, I must not be in the will of God, or God must be mad at me, or God must not be going to provide for me. But I want you to know that when I view this text, I see the hand of God in all of it. I see the fingerprints of God on every page and every word of the story. But He'll work in ways that you and I don't understand. I, I, I want to show you three places where I see God's moving. And I'm, no doubt there's many. But there's no room in the end. And God been behind it. No, number one this morning, I, I would say to you, and I'll give them to you as quickly as I possibly can. I see God working in this, this no room in the end and this Baby born in a manger, the Son of God being born in a manger. I, I see, first of all, God involved in this because, uh, 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 well, let me see how to, how to give it to you. It is God working to fulfill the Scripture. This baby, now I, I do not, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember, and I'd have to go back and look, but I don't remember anywhere in the Old Testament where the Old Testament says that he would be born in a manger. But here's what the Old Testament does uh, say about our Lord. Do, do you remember uh, that one of the first pictures of Calvary, one of the first pictures of Christ, Genesis chapter 22? And, and, and uh, Abraham is uh, carrying his son Isaac and God has told Isaac or Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac and I want you to take him up on the mountain and I want you to offer him there as a sacrifice. And we know in hindsight that God was never going to require Abraham to do that but he wanted Abraham to bring Isaac and it was God, I give you all that I have and it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac is carrying that wood and he said to his father Abraham, he said, I, I see the wood, I see the fire. He said, but where is the lamb? And his father said, uh, son, God will provide himself a lamb. 
And one of the first pictures of Calvary, one of the first pictures of the church, one of the first pictures of redemption is that God will provide himself a lamb. As a matter of fact, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3 and I don't know what it was that God covered up Adam and Eve in their sin with, but if I had to guess, I would say it was a lamb that was slain. And when Cain and Abel brought their gifts to God, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought a sacrifice. And I'd say that it was a lamb. And all throughout the Old Testament, that one thing that pointed to Christ, that one thing that pointed to the Son of God, is that He is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. And what greater place to fulfill the Scripture that the Lamb be brought into this world world, not in an inn, not in a room, but in a manger, in a stable. God is fulfilling scripture down to the biblical comparisons. He's compared to a lamb in all throughout the Old Testament. And God made sure that the lamb was born in a manger. God made sure that the lamb was brought into this world looking like a lamb. And so, when the Bible said he's the lamb slain, they'd say, well, I thought he was born in a prince's house. I thought he was born in high society, no one could say. I thought he was born on the third story of the greatest hospital in Bethlehem. No one could say that. They'd say, he looked like a lamb when he was born. He lived like a lamb. He died like a lamb. Maybe he is the lamb. Can I say to you this morning, he is the lamb. And God let him be born in a manger. This innkeeper who had no room may have been a he may have been a terrible dude, but he may have been just being directed by the hand of God. That, his end may have never filled up in his whole life until God filled it up so that there'd be no room in the end so that the Lord Jesus the Lamb of God could be born in a manger so, so that in one more point in one more place in one more position the word of God could be fulfilled I tell you one thing about God he keeps his word he fulfilled the comparisons of the Bible not only did he fulfill the comparisons he fulfilled the claims Isaiah 53, I'll, I'll flip over there and read it to you. You don't have to turn there, but, but I'll, I'll turn there. Isaiah 53, uh, who hath believed our report? Verse 1, whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and we shall, when we shall see him. Notice this, there is no beauty that we would desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. That would be hard to picture had Christ been born to wealth. That would be hard to uh, get in our mind had Christ been born in high society. And there's nothing wrong with wealth and it don't make you anti-God or anti-Christian if you have it. But if you do have it, you ought to, you ought to let God direct what you do with it. Trust him with it. But this despised and rejected 
It doesn't look as if that's what's coming out of the king's palace. But it looks like where that that would come out of a dark manger, a low place. God wanted to make sure that even the claims and the comparisons of the Word of God down to the finite detail, down to the, I mean, down to the very jot uh, and, and of the Word of God was so accurately described that Jesus came and was born in a manger so that when they read Isaiah 53 and said, He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, no one could argue that even down to his birth he fulfills the scripture God's working in that I'm going to tell you something this morning and move on. God is working in your life based upon the Word of God. God is working in my life based upon the Word of God. And faithful is He that promised He will perform it. What God said He'd do, He will do. No matter what you think about it, no matter how you feel about it, He's God, He's faithful, He is faithful to His Word. And He'll let Tragic events, so-called, take place if that means that he can bring forth Jesus into your world. And when he brings forth Jesus into your world, tragic events become less tragic in the light of who he is. I'm not saying they're not tragic, but if you had tragedy and know Jesus... And that was the avenue that God brought that brought Christ into your world. You can say, man, it was rough that night. Man, it was tough that night. It was the hardest night of our life. But out of that problem, out of that dark place, the Lord brought the Word of God into my life. He fulfilled the Scripture. And I met Jesus. It sure makes that tragedy less. A mother brings a child into this world. And when they get the news, most of the time they're highly excited. Not always, sometimes some fear, but most of the time they're excited. And then they wake up one morning and they're sick. And they say, oh, this is bad. Some of them worse than others. And they don't want to be vulgar, but they can't keep nothing down. And they're sick every morning and every noon every night and then that stuff in their life starts changing and they swell and they gain weight and they watch us and I'm not trying to be vulgar here but their skin stretches and they think boy this is not what I thought this was going to be their hormones change Days go by and days turn into months and, and, uh, and these months go by and it gets more and more and there's anxiety and there's fear and there's a whole changing of all of their world and then uh, comes uh, the, what, what the, the pains of, and I'll be careful with all of this, but then comes the pains of childbirth and sometimes they're weeks leading up to the birth and, 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 and their, their body is in pain and, and, and it is excruciating they tell me and then comes labor and it is given that title because that is what it is so I've heard labor 
They are laboring in birth. They are laboring in bringing forth a child. They are laboring. It is painful. It is work. It is, it is excruciating many times. Maybe not always, but for many it is. And, and, and in those moments, uh, you, you can imagine that that lady would think, I'll never do this ever again. This is the worst thing uh, that has ever happened. And then that baby is born. And that child is laid in her hand. And in that moment, and in the day, that come after that all the pain is forgotten all the trouble is forgotten because all of that brought forth that baby oh are y'all hearing me and oh I want to thank God he's so faithful because there's been some pain there's been some trouble there has been some heartache but when Jesus comes forth when the son of God is birthed in your life out of that pain hallelujah it makes it worth it so there's no room for him in the end in order to fulfill scripture I'll give you this second one quickly and get to the last one and be done. There's no room in the end not only to fulfill Scripture but to feel suffering. Isaiah 53, I'll read on. Verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Isaiah says, I want to tell you about the Lamb of God that's coming. He's going to know something about grief. He is despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. says about the Lord Christ. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He said we don't have a high priest that we go to that don't know what you're going through but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He said, I want you to know, the writer of Hebrews said, Isaiah said, I want you to know that this Savior, He knows what you're going through. He knows what you feel. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Are you done with me? He knows what your experiences are because going back to his birth, he experienced what you've experienced. He's been oppressed. He's been despised. He's been rejected. He knows grief. He's acquainted with grief. He understands and we see that going back to the very birth of Christ. He feels what you feel. People who've never been through what you've been through can help you and don't think that they can. You don't have to go through everything that everybody's gone through to be able to help them. Hear me now. You don't have to. But I'll tell you, there ain't hardly anybody that can help you anymore than somebody who's been where you've been. God has brought them through it. 
And I can say to you, I sympathize with you. You can tell me a problem, and, and, or I can tell you a problem. And I can say, I, I hate that. Oh, it's horrible. And vice versa. I can say to you, I, I, I'm praying for you. And I've even got advice for you in this matter. But unless I've been through that, there's just some things I can't help you with. And even if I have, there's some things I can't help you with. But you let somebody who's walked down that same road, and they say, I know. And you say, well, how would you know? Because I've been there. You've been there. Exactly where you are, I've been there. And there's a camaraderie, there's a bond, there's an attachment that says this fella, this girl, she knows. They know the pain. They know the sorrow. They, Boy, I'm trying to preach this morning. They know the heartache. They know what's going on. Oh, hallelujah. My Bible tells me that I have one, and he knows. He knows what it is to be despised. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be oppressed. He knows what grief looks like. He bore it. He knows what death. He's walked into the valley of the shadow of death. And I want you to know where you are. He has felt that as well. And so you can come to him. You can say, Lord... I've never been here before and I don't know what to do. And he can say, I have. And I do. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible that there wasn't no room in the inn. But I'm getting kind of glad there wasn't no room in the inn. Because God fulfilled some mighty big scripture. And God felt some mighty rough suffering. I'm not rejoicing that he did, but since it's already been done, I'm glad that he knows where I've been. Here's the third one I'll be done. I really like this one. Y'all still good? You look good. You look good. You look kind of Christmassy. You don't sound good, but you look good. Here's the third one. Not only was there no room in the end to fulfill scripture, to feel suffering. Here's the third one. To fool Satan. (laughs) Fool Satan. My wife helped me with this one last night riding down the road. I'll give credit where credit's due. She's pretty smart. To fool Satan. Jesus is born in Bethlehem and the star shines and them shepherds see a star and word gets out unto us a son is given unto us a, a child is born and Jesus is born in Bethlehem and, 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 and the whole world knows in Israel the Old Testament prophecy and, and word gets to Herod the king 
And Herod is a tool of Satan. He is, you can read all about it in Matthew chapter 2. Herod is used by Satan mightily. And Herod says in chapter 2 to his wise men, I want you to go and I want you to find this baby. And he lies to him and he says, when you find him, I want you to come back and tell me where he is so I can go worship him. We know reading on in chapter 2 that he didn't want to go worship him. He wanted to go kill him, this son of God. He wanted to stop it before it ever got started. He wanted to squash it before it ever became a, a public that Christ was born. He wanted to be the one to say, He came and I conquered. He came and I killed Him. He is no more. They wanted to say about our Savior, God is dead. And I'm the one who killed Him. And so He sent out His men. And it was when they met him that God did something in their heart. And in a dream, Matthew chapter 2, they realized we can't go back to Herod. And they didn't go back the way that they came and they tricked Herod. And when Herod found out about it, he was so mad that he killed all the babies from two years old and younger because he was so mad at what had happened. You better believe he was trying to kill Jesus. He's trying to. When you hear that, you think, that's so wicked. And yet it's still going on in our society today. Herod says, I want you to find him. And we're going to kill him. And so when them wise men didn't come back, and they had tricked him, that wasn't the last group he sent out, no doubt. And he said, I want you to go to every house in town. And I want you to find him. <laughs> and I want you to go to every inn. They're not from Bethlehem. You turn them inns upside down and you go find him. And let's have him killed. But all tucked back in a manger somewhere. Where sheep and goats and pigs are supposed to be. Where nobody would ever think to look for a Savior. There laid the baby Christ. There laid Christ the Savior of the world. And God said, devil, I know you. And I know your servants. And they'll look in the high places because they're looking for a king. They'll look in the places of prestige and prominence and power. They'll look in the end. They'll look everywhere. But you will never look in a manger. Satan don't think that way. Mm, there's some preaching on that and I ain't got time to do it. The devil don't think that way. That's why 1 Corinthians, is it chapter 1, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The wise are looking for the palace. The wise are looking for the halls and the courts of the king. And God said, I'll get some, some foolish little manger, put my Savior in it, and the devil will never look there. He didn't. Finally, God came to Joseph in a dream and said, I want you to go down to Egypt. And I want you to stay there. And he did until Herod died. And God kept moving Jesus to places where the devil would never look to keep Christ alive.
I'm, I'm done. You say, preacher, there's sort of a lot of stuff going on in my life. And I'm not saying God's done all of that. But in the middle of it, God will pick you up and move you to places where you wouldn't have moved yourself. And he'll situate you in positions that you would have never picked out. And you say, boy, I feel kind of like a rag doll. I kind of feel like I'm just getting slung around here and there. And what you don't realize is the devil would have killed you. The devil would have destroyed you. The devil would have destroyed your home. But God put you on the backside of a desert. God put you in a manger. God put you in a, in a place where the devil would never look for you. So God could do something big in your life. If Satan would have sent Jesus, he'd have sent him to the king. He'd have sent him to Rome. He'd have sent him to the most powerful family in the land. But God is so much greater than the devil and he's so much greater than us and his ways are not our ways. And he said, I'll find a little carpenter and I'll find a little girl and and a little young lady and I'll let them raise my son. He'll be born in a manger. He'll be the son of a carpenter and he'll come out of Nazareth and he'll go to Bethlehem and he'll go to Egypt and the devil will never look for him there. So there's no room for him in the end because God knows what the devil don't know. And he's going to fulfill scripture. He's going to fill suffering. and He's going to fool Satan. I'll tell you something else. Had the devil known what would have happened at Calvary, he'd have never let Jesus be crucified. I'm nearly done preaching, but I didn't even think about it until just now. Y'all are getting it with me the same time I'm... I'm. He said, put him on the cross. Judas, the devil having entered into Judas, you go betray him. And Judas went and betrayed him. The devil said, I got him now. And that band of soldiers came and they got him and they took him into that garrison and they nailed him to that cross and they slammed that cross in the ground and the mockers come by and they spit on him and they mocked him and they ridiculed him and they cast lots over his garments and the devil sat back and wrung his little his little weaselly slimy fingers and said, I got him now. And they laughed and they laughed and they laughed. And Jesus took his last breath and the devil said, I got him now. But what he did not know is three days later up from the grave he arose and God had chosen the one thing that the devil would not do to bring forth Christ into this world that he might fool Satan and you can look around this morning you come to the piano and you can say I don't know what God's doing I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing, but I'll tell you one thing I know about him. He's doing something in the background. He's doing something you don't know, but when he brings it forth, it'll come forth with Jesus in your life. Well, I've enjoyed preaching. I bless his name. Let's stand. God said something to somebody in here. Why don't you come talk to him about it? Maybe you want to come thank him for no room in the inn. Maybe you want to come thank him for a manger that you've complained about, but it was what God used to bring Christ into your life. 
bless his holy name, you sing.